Hello and welcome to Fibber McGee and Molly from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. It's time for Fibber McGee and Molly. Every weekday at this time, NBC brings you Fibber McGee and Molly transcribed. The show is written by Phil Leslie and Lynn Levinson and directed by Max Hutto. We'll join Fibber and Molly in just a moment. Great changes have taken place in America during the past dozen years. Changes that assure Americans a longer life, a better job, and a higher standard of living than we've ever known. In these past dozen years, America has enjoyed an almost miraculous expansion, which has brought new homes, new highways, new schools, new hospitals, yes, even new cities. What does this mean? In a nutshell, it means that the future of America is secure. Despite temporary variations and downswings, the trend of employment and earnings has been spectacularly upward, and it must continue upward in order to keep pace with ever-increasing demand. More homes and highways are still needed, more schools and hospitals, more industry and equipment, and more electrical energy to supply America's ever-expanding needs. If you'd like to learn more about the opportunities ahead, write Box 1776 Grand Central Station, New York City for the free booklet, The Future of America. Box 1776, Grand Central Station, New York City. Two things happened to Mr. McGee of 79 Wistful Vista last Friday. First, he resolved to live for a whole week by the golden rule. And then, he became the only witness to an auto accident between the wife of a local big shot and a young stranger. The big shot is in the McGee living room right now saying, But I'm only trying to reason with you, my good man. Look, bud, I am not your good man or your good fellow or even your old chap. To you, I'm Mr. Fibber McGee. Fibber. Yeah. Wait till my friend the judge hears that. And don't think he won't. Unless, of course, you forget all this foolishness about my wife being in the wrong. We'll let the court decide who was wrong this afternoon, Buster. I saw that accident with my own two eyes before it even happened. Huh. What are you so burned up about anyhow, Johns? You're covered with insurance, and the boy's car... I don't care anything about the money. We have a reputation to uphold in this town, my wife and I. Then teach her to drive a car so she won't go ramming into other people and sending them to the hospital. Hospital? Ha! Put up job. He's faking so he can stick us for damages. Oh, yeah? And I suppose Dr. George Gamble is in his cahoots, too, then, huh? Wait till I tell that to Doc, boy. I'd hate to be in that oily hide of yours the next time Doc gets you on the operating table. I happen to be one of the county commissioners. Dr. Gamble, it better be nice to me. And just what is your interest, McGee, in this, uh, this, what's his name? His name is Bob Stanley. And I don't think you'll understand this, but I'll try to explain it to you. Friday, a stranger did me a good turn. Brought back my lost wallet. He wouldn't take a reward. Said he'd just like to do the right thing and for me to pass the favor on to somebody else. Get to the point, will you? What has this got to do with my wife's accident? The point is, this man lives by the golden rule, and I thought I'd give it a try, Johns. So when this Stanley fellow comes along, a stranger, hurt, with his car wrecked, I says to myself, if I was him, how would I want to be treated? And I says, in a spot like that, I'd want somebody to stick up for me. Oh, you're one of those do-gooders, are you? Look, loudmouth, I'm trying to be one of those do-unto-others as I would have done to me 
And if you get my Irish up just one more notch, Commissioner, I'll cut your commission right in half. Oh, you don't scare me, McGee. I've been threatened before. No, I'll bet you have. The way you operate, I'll bet you get threatened all the time. Now, you invited yourself into my house, Buster, so how about inviting yourself out again? Glad to. But before I go, how would you like to have the sewers dug up in front of your house so you can't get your car out of the garage for a month? If you'll have them pave the street while they're there, I'll take that. It's in lousy shape. All right. But I think you'll regret this, McGee, mixing yourself up with a young nobody driving what may turn out to be a stolen car. Yes. Uh, huh? What's that? <laughs> Didn't know that, did you? It may well be. See you in police court this afternoon. Unless you get smart enough to keep your big nose out of other people's business. Keep my big nose up. Hey, Molly. Yes, dearie? Is my nose big? Hmm. No bigger than usual. No. The man's gone, I see. Yeah. I haven't been so happy to get rid of anything since my poison ivy cleared up. He left me with a nasty little thought, though. He kind of hinted that that car that Bob Stanley was driving might be stolen. If he only hinted, don't worry about it. If that car was stolen, he'd be shouting his head off. Incidentally, I had an interesting conversation with Mrs. Spradley a while ago. That old mud hen. What'd she want? Called to ask me to ask you to be nice to Mrs. Johns, who called her to ask her to ask me to ask you, too. Huh. More high pressure, huh? I told Mrs. Spradley a thing or two, believe you me. Good. And of course, I turned the trip down cold. Why, naturally, would it... Huh? What trip did you turn down? Cold? The one Mrs. Johns offered us, through Mrs. Spradley, to Las Vegas or Havana or Acapulco, I think, or Quebec. No kidding. That dame had the colossal gall to offer us a free trip to get me out of town, huh? That's what I gathered. Boy, if that ain't the dirtiest, lowest type... Where'd you say to? Las Vegas. I told her we didn't have the slightest interest. Why, certainly not. Acapulco. That's over on the west side of Mexico, ain't it? That's right. But a person who's living by the golden rule like you are... I could sure live by the golden rule in Acapulco, all right. Or Havana, even. McGee, you're not thinking of backsliding. Oh, no, no, of course not. I was just thinking it'd be a nice break for the boy, you know, Bob Stanley. If we could get a free trip to Mexico and take him with us. I bet Bob would like Mexico. <laughs> not funny, huh? No. You're right. Run upstairs and put on your face. Let's get out of police court, good and early. When I get on that witness stand and tell how reckless that woman drove, we'll be fixed. Back to Wistful Vista in a minute. Have you given up on saving money? Just decided you can't save money on your salary? Then listen. Try once more. You'll succeed on the payroll savings plan. The plan enables you to buy United States bonds in easy stages, and it's all automatic. All you do is let your employer know how much you want to save. The amount is set aside before you draw your pay so you won't even miss it. When there's enough for a bond, you get one, automatically. That's all there is to it, except the thrill you get in counting up your savings. And don't forget the interest. When your bonds mature, you get back $4 for every $3 you put in, and even more if you hold them longer. Start today. Invest in United States savings bonds on the payroll savings plan where you work. Or if you're self-employed, join the bond-a-month plan where you bank. Remember, savings bonds offer double security. Not only are they an investment that pays off in dollars saved, they help to build a stronger, a safer America. Get out and 
stay out of this courtroom. I will not. I'm a public citizen, and I got as much right in that courtroom as them other idiots. You've been heard, McGee, and if the judge wants to hear any more from you, I'll come and get you. There'll be no fistfights in this court. I ought to go back in there and... Come on, come on away from that door, McGee, before they drag you back in there and the judge charges you with contempt. Ha, that judge. McGee, why do you have to get such a hot head every time you plant your other end in the witness chair? Challenging that Mr. Johns to come outside and settle with bare knuckles. Which knuckle were you going to use, knucklehead? Now, don't you leap on my back, too, frame climber. Well, if you just weren't so bellicose all the time. Me, bellicose? Did you ever get a look at your own waistline in a full-width mirror? I'm talking about your temper. Johns wasn't kidding when he said you were born with two feet and you've had them both in your mouth ever since. <laughs> yeah. You should have heard what he said about you at my house this morning. Yeah? Came right out and accused you of conniving with Bob Stanley to stick the Johnses for a lot of fake injuries. What? And when I says you'd take care of him, he says you better be nice to him because he's a county commissioner. Why, that pompous political pipsqueak. That stiff-necked, mealy-mouthed stuffed shirt, I... I stuck up for you, boy. I told him you paid good money for your medical diploma through the U.S. mail, and you didn't have to be nice to anybody. That sleazy, cheesy, greasy vote buyer. That's time, then, boy. Let you and me go back in there and knock him and that judge's heads together, all four of them, because there's no justice in that... Hey, looks like it's over. Here comes Molly. Hey, Molly, over here. Now we'll find out. I was looking for you, McGill. What happened? What happened? Well, the judge couldn't make up his mind. That linthead couldn't tell heads from tails if he flipped a coin. Mind. <laughs> He's got a mind like a steel sieve. Did you notice how the sunlight shone into his right ear and came right out through his left ear? If he's a judge, I... Hush, hush, dearie. Good afternoon, Your Honor. You're right, McGee. The chowderhead is wearing a straw hat and carrying an umbrella. Probably trying to reach a decision on what day this is. If you two have finished dishonoring his alleged honor, I'd like to find out what happened in there. The case was continued until Friday. Oh, good. That'll give Bob a chance to rest up and build up a solid case. Stall, stall, stall. That's old man Johns' tactic. He'll wiggle his wife out of this. You just watch. Say, where is Bob? In there with the bailiff. The judge released Mrs. Johns in her husband's custody. Yeah, but he's stuck with her anyway. But Bob was held on a $1,000 bail. What? what? Great Scott. He probably can't get hold of that kind of money. They can't do that to him. No, but they did. That's not constitutional. If that ain't the well, judge... Dr. Gamble and the McGee's. Looks like your boy's going to reside in our Hoosgal for a while. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, he's not in jail yet, Johns. And what's more, I'm going to get him out of there before he ever gets in. You? Why, McGee, you couldn't bail out a leaky rowboat full of sponges. Oh. I had you looked up. And you're lucky if you can meet the checks you give out. That's why I had the judge set it at a thousand dollars. I'll show you, you chiseling. Come on, Molly and Doc. What are you going to do? Want me to go in this with you, McGee? Thanks, just the same, Doc. But this is my own personal vendana with Johns. You mean vendetta? Then what's vendana? There's no such word. Right. There's no such word to describe that snake. <laughs> Look, Ducky, we've took up enough of your time already. You get back to your patience, and we'll see you after Bob. Say, I am late. Call me. Let me know what happens. Sure will. Come on, Molly. Into the clerk's office. Going to bail that boy out. What? Where can we get $1,000? Look, you know this boy. Do you think he'd do anything dishonest? No, I don't. But where can we get $1,000? If you were unjustly accused by a pair of colossal snobs like the Johnses, would you want to be helped? I sure would. Well, then do unto others. That's what I'm trying to do, ain't I? You sure are. But where can we get $1,000? We don't need money. Our house is worth lots more than 1000 But our house, McGee? We can put that up as bail. What do you say, huh? Are you game? Who, me? <laughs> I was the one who got you into this golden rule week in the first place, wasn't I? What are we waiting for? Well, come on, let's get the poor guy out of the sneezer before he catches cold. Mm-hmm.
Fibber and Molly will be right back. Hello there, I'm Jay Stewart, your MC on It Pays to Be Married on NBC every weekday afternoon. On It Pays to Be Married, I interview real-life people like yourselves who tell us the stories of the problems in their married lives and how they solve them. Once in a while, we interview show business couples from Hollywood. Just a few weeks ago, we had a wonderful visit with Phil Harris and Alice Fay, who told us the problems of both husband and wife being in show business. Just a while back, Danny Thomas told a wonderful story of how his wife stood behind him during the early struggles in show business. A couple from Amarillo, Texas, told how, through a misunderstanding, they separated and were almost divorced. Their three-year-old daughter began losing her sight, and the need of the love of both parents at this critical time brought them together again. However, not all of our stories on A Taste to be Married are serious. Some are humorous, some are wacky, and some are unusual. So join us each weekday afternoon on NBC, won't you, for laughs and tears and just plain good entertainment. I'll be glad to get to bed. Lock up, will you? So many things have happened today. I got a feeling I forgot something I wanted to do. Something I wanted to ask Bob Stanley. Or, or me. Oh, my gosh. I know what it was. What? I wanted to ask him if that car he was driving was stolen. Come on to bed. Ask him tomorrow. Okay. Good night. Good night, all. <laughs> has brought you the Fibber, McGee, and Molly program transcribed with Arthur Q. Bryan as Doc Gamble, Joe Kearns as Mr. Johns, and Jack Moyles as the bailiff. This is John Wald wondering if Mr. McGee will be able to keep on living by the golden rule. Will he have further trouble tomorrow? Doesn't he always? We'll all find out by listening again tomorrow night to Fibber, McGee, and Molly. Hear today's big issue on Heart of the News, tonight on the NBC Radio Network.